Thank you for choosing Neighborhood Radio. From the block. Join the Discord in the link below. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the Neighborhood Radio. I'm Rick is Ugly with... Uh, Zeke Lanham. And today, we're interviewing Adam Demersian. Did I pronounce that right? From Brave Little Aba- uh, Abacus. Abacus. Uh, Mean Capri, happy to have you on. Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, All right. no problem. How's your uh, How's your Wednesday night been? Oh, it's it's been great. Uh, I just made dinner and yeah, I'm just hanging. I had today off, so no yeah. complaints. I yeah, the days off always hit. Is it your first one or your second? My first. There you go. So I'm not. <laughs> I'm feeling good. Yeah. Yeah. What do you do for work? Uh, I work at a record store. So. Oh, that's awesome. That's, that's got to be yeah. cool. Yeah, it's a good time. Um, you know, pretty low low pressure. You're around what you love. Yeah. So, yeah. Are, you, are you working at one of the record stores that did um, Asufi on Steven's uh, listening party? or? Um, we did not do one of those. We had a Mitski listening party a oh, couple weeks ago. That would have been yeah, yeah, it was neat. Yeah, we do those. Those are becoming really, really popular. Um, and we've done a few. We did one for like the newest Paramore record. A mm, ton yeah. of people came out to that. That was wild. How long have you yeah, been working there? Um, it'll be five years in November. So a little while. Oh, dang. That's, that, that before record store, that sounds really, that's gotta be really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I work with great people and you know, it's a good time. So. Yeah. I, um, or when I was like a teenager, I really wanted to work in a record store, but we only have one where i live and it's shit oh no <laughs> um, if it's not if it's not like 80s hip-hop or like pink floyd it doesn't exist to the people that run yeah if i wanted to work at a record run, store run, it'd have to be the electronics store. section of walmart so <laughs> oh no yeah i'm lucky i live in boston so yeah. there's a you know there's a good amount around here so yeah but yeah do you um do you get like as a record store employee do you ever get the opportunity to purchase like highly anticipated releases like beforehand um not early no uh those rules are pretty strict but i mean there's definitely perks like you know being able to like you know have the advantage of getting something before it sells out or special order things Mm. like that's pretty cool Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah but yeah, records are sure. expensive nowadays so oh I don't, my don't I, even I don't... don't even get yeah. me started on that i've just like literally in the last three months gotten back into collecting records um and record prices have pretty much doubled since i quit since i got out of the hobby it's um, really dangerous yeah i mean i've been buying records on and off for a decade plus and i don't know how anyone can do it now because like mm. lps that used to be like i don't know 20 bucks are all double it's like yeah no literally i um so i like um have dummy by porter said um on vinyl um and i paid 30 dollars for that brand new um back in 2016 um and literally went to the record store uh recently to um look at some records and they had dummy on exact same store that i bought dummy from back in 2016 um and they were selling it for 55 bucks same really same like everything is the one that I paid thirty dollars for back That's in twenty sixteen. Um, no special edition but, like color, nothing. No. 
yeah they just cost more than ever it's it's very yeah. wild yeah that's why i've sort of gotten back into cds um as a oh same yeah i, I do a lot of like a, a lot of cd purchases nowadays mm. and i love digitizing them and having like a flack library like it's, yeah it's a, that's a great hobby like yeah great way to listen to especially like it's a lot more space efficient um, oh yeah that's like sure. what i like about it like i yeah. have a shelf of like 120 cds and like i could probably only fit like 30 or 40 records on that same yeah um on that same shelf so it's well, yeah. I, that's it's too much for me to keep track of honestly like if i get something on physical it's got to be something super special i can't get like mm. everything i listen to on it especially yeah. again the space thing like I, I, you know, you gotta have like a dedicated space in your room, like bookshelves, even. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've got yeah. like yeah, like a fully dedicated like shelf um in my room for my. It's a commitment for sure, and then when you move, it's like <laughs> good, good luck, especially after mm. like a full life of collecting stuff, you know. Yeah. But. Absolutely. What's the so, oldest um, uh, record you have in your collection? Like, like, like the oldest in terms of your and when it came to your possessions. Um, I think that would be a copy of Doolittle by the Pixies. Mm. I think I bought. I think I bought it when I was fourteen. I was in New York City, and there was a Virgin Mega Store that probably doesn't exist. I doubt it exists anymore in Times Square, and um, I bought it and didn't have a record player. And I think it was, like, the first time I realized that LPs were still, like, manufactured. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I was with a friend, and speaking of, like, prices changing so much, I think I probably paid about, like, 16 or $18 for it. Um, and I remember I carried it around on this whole, like, vacation, just being <laughs> like, I bought a record. Like, I wonder what <laughs> I'm going to do with it. And then I think it was like the next year, the next year I like thrifted a turntable and got a little bit more into it. But that's probably my personal oldest. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, Pixies, Pixies are a great band. It's probably not a not a bad choice for a first. No, oh, I mean, yeah. a lot of people's first picks are like those, like those, like whatever's like was the cringy teen thing back in the day. So Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was fortunate. I mean, that record was really special to me dating back to when I was like 12. So it was still on the mind, you know, in high school. Yeah. So. My um, my first ever physical music purchase was Bangarang by Skrillex. For my, nice. for my 11th, 11th, 10th. Uh, oh, actually, no, it would have been my, yeah, my 10th birthday. I think I got um, Bangarang. My aunt bought me Bangarang by Skrillex on CD. That's awesome. Uh, and I was really depressed because um, my, when I was about 13 or 14, my mom sold her car. Um, and I forgot to take the CD out of the... No! <laughs> out of the... Like, she, it was, she had one of those, like, six slot, like six CD slot mm. cars. Um, and I just forgot forgot it was in there. Damn. Somebody, um, somebody got real lucky when they bought that. I, that, 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 that was yeah. a really cool find. Oh, Sega CD. Oh. Yeah, I... Um, yeah, I actually... Um, my car that I bought recently had a someone's, like, personal mixtape that they had burnt onto a cd um, wait really you know, yeah it's just a bunch <laughs> of country music um that's a really cool it. 
the person who owns the car. I actually, when I found the CD and it was full of country music, um, I said to the car yard, I was like, oh, what kind of person like sold, like, did you get the car off? Um, and I, they said they got it from a farm. Um, mm. So I was like, that that tracks that. It has have have you been able to find the music online? I've never really, I, I've literally listened to it once being like, no, nah, I don't like country. And, and it's just, I, I probably could look it up. I think that'd be something very interesting to look into. Yeah, pretty interesting. So yeah, see, my um, my my first album had to be, I think, the Yellow album the, from SpongeBob. <laughs> I think I think that was the first album I ever had. That's a classic. Um, there's some no, there are some genuine bangers. <laughs> Sorry to change the topic a little bit, but um, Adam, um, one of our audience members just asked um where the name Brave Little Abacus came from. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a direct reference to the animated film uh, Brave Little Toaster. And okay. we just ch- changed the, the noun on it. Mm. Um, when we were figuring out a band name, we went back and forth a lot. Um, you know, we wanted to, like, uh, reference some older media that was, like, important to us. And that movie was really, really special for us. So that kind of was uh, immediate. Yeah. And uh, the whole movie is kind of about how, like, the toaster might not really be useful to its original owner anymore. And yeah. we just thought Abacus was a great example of something that, that no one needed needed anymore because calculators and computers, you know. So yeah. it's kind of – that's where it came from, I guess. I like yeah. that. Yeah. We just ended up calling it BLA all the time because who wants to say Brave Little Abacus a hundred times <laughs> a day? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I've noticed like on some releases it's the Brave Little Abacus, and on some it's just Brave Little Abacus. Um, yeah, so... it's kind of, it's funny. The uh, we always preferred it without the the, but then when you yeah. say it, you kind of like people just end up saying the the. Hilariously, the only other band I know that had that problem for a while was Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, <laughs> so I always laugh at that. That like I have childhood red actually pepper cds that say the or don't say the um so yeah i don't know it's a fine problem to have i always liked it without the the personally but i see yeah. Yeah, I'm so, like, so is, is there nothing is there not like an actual like official you just say you like it without it i, I mean the band's <laughs> been dead and gone for 11 yeah, years that's true. <laughs> yeah but yeah i know some people were bummed out when um there was like I know people that use Last FM were really upset because some of their scrabbles had the the and some didn't and they wanted to like consolidate right. them. Last <laughs> FM people, like, are, I don't know. Last <laughs> FM users, as as a last as a Last FM user, Last FM users are a different breed. No, they're serious just, about it. I I um I got so pissed off recently um because the Avalanches um they their album Since I Left You um they've replaced it on Spotify with Since I Left You 20th Anniversary. Um, oh wow so and i literally already had like <laughs> 1.5 scrubbles I, I literally had yeah probably close to 2,000 scrubbles on that album um and now it's just it's just ended i just can't get any more scrubbles on it <laughs> because there's only the, since i left you 20th anniversary edition now so um, sad see i don't remember what it worked for me when i was in high school one of my favorite things was like finding as many different releases of an album as at, at a time because i liked when i looked at my phone seeing a different album cover whenever i listened to a song yeah. So, like, 
like I, 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 I'd purposefully get like, for instance, like Nirvana or something. They have fifty mixes of their songs. I'd purposely try to get each different cover, just because they're slightly uh, different. I always like having a little bit of different of the album cover. That's another thing when it comes to collecting physicals. I wish I could, because yeah. that's another theme. Just looking at the art is really nice. Yeah, like different single releases. Exactly. Like exactly. That. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um. Maddie, one, yeah, uh, Maddie, who is listening at the moment, asked, um, "What would you describe your music as to someone who's never heard it?" Um, I guess it depends on what project they were listening to, but yeah. I, you know, I, I tend to lean towards just like honest, experimental, loud. Mm. Um, yeah, because I, I, I'm not really good with like describing genre. I find it mm -hmm. like really difficult. I know for some people that really works, but it never really has worked for me. Um, Could you boogie yeah. to it? <laughs> <laughs> Could you boogie to it? Uh, some of it, I think you. I think you could boogie to. I, I there's some bit. no there's some sad boogie moments. I could definitely like would get down on a, a dark night where I'm just like, yeah, I'm getting into this. Um, like on blah blah blah, actually, I would definitely dance to that. Yeah. Uh, another audi uh, audience member, Wes. He uh, said he's always had questions about the Just Got Back From Discomfort cover. Uh, do you want to talk about it? Do you have any specific questions, Wes? Because uh, I, I, what, where, where is the, was the picture taken? Like, what, what was, what was the context of, of that? I, so I don't know where the picture <laughs> was taken. I know, I know some fans of that record have tried to find it, and some believe that it was in Burlington, Vermont, which is totally possible um it's a picture my mom took of my dad when they were driving across the country um right after they got married okay because they moved from um uh around boston to washington state it's possible i'm that from washington spent... state hey oh there you go yeah they were um they moved to uh tacoma because my dad was okay stationed okay out there. um so i mean it's it's funny because like the folks who have felt like they've really pinpointed it it's a pretty vague um image of like an auto body somewhere in america <laughs> it could be a lot of places i think but i i love that it's mysterious to people um and uh yeah i don't know i'm a big fan of the image if i knew uh that record would reach the amount of people that it has i don't know if I would have just chosen such a random picture of my 20 year old dad uh, for his album cover with, without anything else on it. But I love that image. So I, I do stand by it. I think it's a really striking image. Um, yeah. So it's, uh, it's cool. Yeah. I just don't know if I would have put a picture of my dad on the cover of a, yeah. of a record. <laughs> <laughs> was it just an off the cuff thing? Totally. Yeah. It was a totally off the cuff thing. And, um, you know, our audience and the way we functioned back in 2010 was so small scale. Um, there wasn't any part of me that, you know, was thinking about like marketing or, um, what the, the album cover would mean to more people. It was just totally for ourselves and like a, the, the select amount of people we knew would hear and see it. So, um, but yeah, it's, I, I like that, uh, on the topic of the album cover, it is amazing to me how many memes get made 
like around what? it. And... I don't think I've ever seen a meme. Obviously. Hold up, I, no, I, 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 there's one I saw. I've seen before. I, I've seen one. I'm gonna I'm post gonna it in the chat. This up. That sounds that right. sounds hilarious. It's uh, I think there's a lot. Yeah, it's a four panel. <laughs> it's a four panel one, and there's a cutout of, of hey, hey, I'm Justin Bieber, and some girls oh, who I... seem unexcited, and then there's the cover. Like, oh my god, cover the cult classic, 2010, you out. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the ones that get me, like, someone sent me, like, I don't, I've never played Minecraft, but you can be my dad in Minecraft, I guess. <laughs> it's just like a little, like, version, Minecraft version of him, like, in a hoodie. Oh, oh I see just, it. <laughs> and it just says Adam Demersion's dad. <laughs> like, that, freaks, that freaks me out once. That's hilarious. Yeah, so it's uh you know that's a cool legacy to have, right? I guess. How 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 do they feel about being the cover of the of the album, and how do they feel about it now? Um, I don't think he cares because he's not like on the internet of, in any capacity. Um, my my parents didn't really like Brave Little Abacus at Aww, all. Damn. Uh, <laughs> so I don't really think I don't know. They, yeah. I think they kind of liked our last record. Um. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean that's not—it's not really the type of music that they would choose to listen yeah. to. So yeah. I mean, like, like I'm gonna be honest, like even for me personally, like fully, fully speaking honestly here, I didn't really like Brave Little. Like I have a friend who's been trying to get me into Brave Little Abacus since 2017, and I never really got into it that much until I went through a really bad breakup. Um, and then I and then I listened. I I remember my friend telling me that it was like a, a breakup album, and so I was like, oh, I'm gonna give this another spin now that I'm in that kind of headspace. Um, and then I listened to it and it just clicked and I'm like, okay, yeah, like this is real shit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, it's, it's really cha- like, it's, I'll be the first to say it's like challenging music. Like whenever someone yeah. is just like, like, you know, I've had people come up to me and being like, oh, I like, can't get into that. I'm just like, mm. it's just I, the, I don't the know. yeah, the yeah. cacophony of like instruments and everything is, yeah. um, it's a lot. And I think, yeah, it wasn't like for me just listening to it, like without being in a specific mindset, I was just like, man, like this is. It's a lot, um, but then as soon as I was in sort of the mindset that I I personally feel I guess is being conveyed through the music, um, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm off base with my interpretation of the album um, or its no. themes or whatever. But as soon as I was in a mindset that I felt matches what the album is going for, then yeah, I immediately just understood, and um, and it's become yeah like one of my favorite albums. So, I mean, yeah, sometimes that's what it takes. Everything, you know, you experience things in context, you know? So mm-hmm. it's, I, I can relate to that with a lot of things for sure. Well, well I think one, for me, I, like, because I, I was never really, I'm not, I, I, I like emo music, but I'm not, I, I, I never had like internet or anything. So anything that was a local thing that became big on the internet, I didn't get it until 2017. And even then I was more into like hip hop in terms of discovering music. So I wasn't made aware until this year, but I, what really spoke to me is like the writing of the lyrics. It it, it helps mm-hmm. me connect with it immediately, and mm-hmm. I I you I start to understand like all the surrounding elements. And that's that's one thing I always like to ask people is, especially with something like as ambitious as what you guys were doing, what like what came first in like the process? Like, did you just have these songs that were written for a long time, or did you have the actual music composed and? ready and needed something and it inspired you like i'm very interested in that yeah that's a great question um with that band it was a lot of like simultaneous work like we would be like i'd be writing 
music and then collaborating with the other two members like on music and have a bunch of lyrical ideas and then depending on where the music went the lyrics would would change with okay. it um it was very very few times that the lyrics came first mm-hmm. a lot of it was music writing mm-hmm. lyrics on top um yeah. but but yeah. at the same time like i never i never especially with uh just got back i never struggled with writing the lyrics they would Mm. They would come really quickly as the music was made. I yeah, I love like how dense the lyrics are. Um, it, it, like on that it, album. That's it's my favorite type of writing. It it feels like you're just speaking to the music. It's just I I, I love it. it. It's really well really well put together. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I am um, one thing I guess I've wanted to like ask about. So pile no pile pile is my favorite um, song off that album, um, and I find the lyrics. Like, they're very, like, there's a lot of big words and a lot of, um, you know, like, I guess very almost, like, intellectual. And the, what I sort of get from this song is, so something that I do a lot is, like, intellectualizing my feelings, which is, like, I'm focusing too much on the logic behind them rather than trying to actually just process them as feelings. Um, mm. And that song makes me feel that way. Like, it's this, like, very raw like emotional song but you're still trying to use like all the big words and like all the like logic and everything even though you've clearly like experienced something painful and raw and um and i just i'm not sure if that was your intention but that's just the way it sort of um comes across to me and like why i love that song so much um yeah that that's cool yeah i mean i i was um i like i i'm a pretty scatterbrained person uh like mm-hmm. i i think i I think I overthink a lot of things and I think about a lot of things at the same time. And yeah. that song was, is definitely, uh, that's on full display. <laughs> I think yeah. I'm pretty like, um, but then that's also kind of what the song's about too. So um, yeah, I don't know. I can relate to what you're saying, saying a lot. Yeah. When you, when you kind of, instead of just feeling through something, you over intellectualize it and are yeah. trying to explain explain things away yeah yeah and so for me it's like like it's the like what this the song feels like is very raw very like broken but then you read the lyrics and it's like like i just can't pile aesthetic perceptive dilemma like you know it's not it's like kind of more of a dense line that like is a little bit at odds with the raw feeling of the song like almost mm. yeah uh, Anyway, yeah, that was so sorry. <laughs> that was just something no, I, no. I sort of wanted to share with like my personal um, experience, and whatever. And you know, while we're just talking about the lyrics, like I just thought, yeah, like that songwriting there is just awesome. Um, and, yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. So when so obviously like the uh, brave little abacus was like a very emotionally charged um, project, I guess, like very. But whereas, like, with your, like, your newer projects, um, like, me and Capri's, uh, it's a lot, like, more, like, chilled out. Like, I guess it's, like, what would you say was sort of the path to that? Well, I think um, a lot of what Brave Little Abacus did was sort of direct expression, like, un- mm. unedited, unfiltered. Like, everything moved very, very quickly and was very, very, like, reactionary. So... I mean, yeah. even to the point where there's there's lyrics in Brave Little Abacus songs that are um, like such direct references to a bad thing that I 
maybe went through when I was 17 or 18. And then I would just write it directly. And maybe there's even like a name in a lyric or um, a reference that no one could ever possibly decipher. And, mm. you know, in, in a way it was songwriting, um, but it really was like, um, it was pure catharsis. Uh, mm. And as I, as I got older, I got a lot more interested in um, the mix of catharsis and songwriting or catharsis and arrangement. And I think mm. I, um, you know, I, I retreated a little bit and still do. Um, I don't put everything on display as much. Um, you know, a great example with, you know, Brave Abacus that I don't, you know, talk about that often whenever I'm being asked, but um, I put a lot out there into that band that I sometimes kind of wish I didn't. Mm. And mm. now that I'm in this position and I'm older and, you know, so many more people have heard it, um, you can't, you can't take it back, you know, like, and so some of that, uh, that catharsis that was so necessary at the time, it, you know, it's, it's a little difficult when it's your own. Um, and you, once you've let it out, you, you can't take it back. So mm. I think in, so some people I think feel like, you know, in the, the progression of the writing, things have gotten more guarded or, or like a little bit less direct. And that's just, that's true. Like that's, that's absolutely true. Um, mm. But my experience as a musician, I still use use music for the same coping reasons that I did when I was younger. I just use it very differently, you know. Um. Yeah. No. That was like. Yeah. Um. I suppose. Yeah. Once I got into Brave Little Abacus and I started exploring like your work post, um, post the band, whatever. I just thought it was like. I mean, I always love to see like a lot of clear artistic growth. Um it's always really interesting to see and cool to see that someone didn't just stay like in the same place, um, particularly over a time span, like 11 years. Um, yeah. And that's one thing that I, you know, I have to give credit to the Breville Abacus as a project as well. Um, it was really, really dependent on its other two members. Mm-hmm. Um, Zach, uh, Kelly Arnett and Andrew Ryan, were such intense contributors to that band. I could never yeah. possibly be in another project that sounded anything like it without them. And it's a, mm-hmm. it's a real credit to what they brought to the table too. Yeah. Yeah. No, nah, cause I think, um, yeah, like there's a lot of, uh, like bands, like the prodigy, uh, an example I think of, that just tried so hard to sound the way that they did 20 years ago. Mm. Um, and, and yeah, and I just think it was really cool sort of exploring yeah like your future projects and seeing you like find your voice as an artist and try to like you could tell that you were growing as a person and um exploring different things and um yeah yeah that's i mean i think you you can only really hope you know that that's where you you know it's a a continued journey i mean i always say like i mean i'm such a lifer when it comes to music that it it can't possibly be like duplicated because i'm just always like yeah. on to the next thing even with what i listen to i'm always just like what's the next thing the next thing yeah. you know like yeah and i think you've um like throughout like yeah like all of your different projects you've done a great job at not falling into the trap of having success in an area and then trying to just replicate that um yeah i so. mean success 
success is cool. I mean, I would love some more success, but I also, you know, you got to be true to what you want to do. And yeah, you can only no, I would be. Yeah, it would be very weird to attempt to make music that sounded like just got back uh, at 32 yeah. years old. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I would have, I would have a tough time doing that. Mm. Yeah, absolutely, and and yeah, like I'm I'm glad that you didn't because I love that album, but it's very much obviously a moment in time um, yeah. that you are like sort of far beyond, um, and it's cool to continue to. Exp- hear you continue to express yourself in like other ways and um and in a way in a way i kind of like i it's it's uh satisfying for me to hear such an emotionally charged record from anyone and then to like it makes me feel good i guess to see that they've been able to get out of whatever space they were in when they made that record and um 100 percent. yeah i i i'd like to use it especially when i'm talking to like younger people about it yeah um as kind of like a lesson of like i'll i i can say with full certainty that when i was making just got back i did not see the other side of how i Mm. felt about my place in the world i was like Mm. i did not see another outcome and i was wrong and a lot of times Mm. when you're in you're in some of like your darkest spots like your your read on it's incorrect and so it's Mm. Yeah, if that is something that people can take away from that record, that means a lot to me. So that's that's good. Yeah. Yeah. So like what what music would you say like you're into at the moment? Like what's like influencing you? I'm going through this crazy blur kick. I oh, oh, there's someone blur. there's someone in the server who is a that's their favorite band. That's their favorite band, and, oh. and they do everything they can to make sure people are getting into into Blur. So they they would love hearing that. <laughs> they, they, I've they... just um, <laughs> them in chat. Uh, they, yeah, there's a member of this uh, this server. Yeah, Army City, uh, world's biggest Blur stand. Um, nice. So <laughs> have you have you always yeah, been a fan, or you only just recently get into them? Um, I've always been a surface level fan. Uh, <laughs> I didn't like grow up listening to them. Mm-hmm. Um, I I I. I've loved gorillas since gorillas started. Yeah. Um, Being, be, I was like the perfect age for gorillas. I was like, mm. I want to, I, I was either 10 or 11 when like the first single came out, like when Clint Eastwood came out and the mm. music video was on like, you know, top 20 video countdown. And I was just like, you know, I was the age where I still loved cartoons. So it's like you combine cartoons and a band. Like I was there. Um, mm. But yeah, Blur was like, I, I mean, the thing about Blur was, like, they just weren't that huge in the States when I was a kid, mm-hmm. other than, like, Song yeah. 2. Like, it was that song was in commercials and stuff, but... Yeah, um, I think that Britpop thing is, like, very much, like, late 90s UK, and if you weren't there, I think it can be sometimes... Very centralized. Um, yeah, and, like, I grew up in a big Oasis household, so mm-hmm. I feel like the Demersions had chosen their side, you know? Like, <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, so it's just like yeah. I yeah. It's uh yeah. they're they're great though. Every record's different. I love that. What's, like what's your, favorite, what's your favorite album from them? Uh right now it would be Park Life at the moment. But I feel like that yeah. could totally change. Because I really, really like Modern Life is rubbish as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've never um I mean I will I will, I will always 
been like probably most people sort of my age like i'm 22 i reckon it would be a similar experience for most people where uh they've always known about gorillas and blur has just been kind of like oh yeah like it's got the guy <laughs> <in> it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> um and but i think recently particularly because they've just dropped a new album and whatever i think recently more people have started to um, yeah dive back into blur a little bit and and i think yeah like that Britpop era is such a moment in time. And I think that's why Radiohead have had so much longevity um, because they mm. managed to avoid falling into that like label. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Being a band from around that time, like, it would have been very easy for Radiohead to continue making songs like Creep and just be another 90s band like Oasis and um, Blur and whatever. But they would manage to, you know, drop OK Computer and then Kid A and then. Yeah have longevity yeah beyond being a uk 90s band um yeah and they just kept pushing i mean one of my favorite like uh you know little weird facts about um radiohead if it's even true is like when they were working on kid a the band was kind of like upset with one another because of the direction and mm. i love that like at the end of the day it was necessary yeah to that, make yeah, this exactly. whole new sound mm. um and so, but I, I sometimes I think it's hard. Like having progress is difficult, but it's mm. it's really yeah, worth it. You know? it's, it actually astounds me that Radiohead have never had a lineup change. Like that at no yeah. point. Wait, never at once? no point. No, never. They've had the exact same five people, and it astounds me that at no point was a member like I joined a rock band, not electronic <laughs> band. Like I'm out. Like you know, um, and I think it speaks to their tightness as a unit as a songwriting unit um that they yeah have made so many different styles and everything and, and to this day is still um working together yeah. um and you know like just talking about kid a um it kind of astounded me so this movie came out last week um the creator um which is set in uh 2070 um and there's a scene in that film that uses um everything in its right place oh um, nice and I was like, it just sort of shows how insane Kid A was that that they can use a song from 2000 in a scene set in 2070, and it doesn't yeah. feel out of place or like dated or anything for the aesthetic that the film is like sort of going for. Um, so. Yeah, I mean that record does not sound old. Like it just, yeah. got, you know, like I, I that's mm. that is an example mm-hmm. of a record that I think will forever sound yeah. like. It, it just could have come out yesterday, mm-hmm. which is, I, I, that's one of my favorite things. Mm. Are you much of a are you much of an Arctic Monkeys fan? Um, <laughs> I wouldn't call myself an Arctic Monkeys fan, but I'm not against. I'm, them. I'm not not yeah, I'm not not a fan. Um, when their first record came out, I got it immediately, and I really 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 loved it. I was probably a sophomore in high school, so my second year of, of of high school or third year of high school and i'll never forget they did like an mtv2 like live session and they were just so tight and they reminded me of like the jam and they were just like heavy and i loved it and then i i didn't pay any attention like after their lineup kind of it just became like the front man's project um once it wasn't really like a band band i i didn't pay much attention i have heard some of the later stuff since like am and another record that i i really liked 
but I didn't listen to them as they came out. I didn't pay much attention. Yeah. I loved that first one though. I like that record is so nostalgic for me. Like just because mm-hmm. I would listen to it like in the halls of my my high school and just feel like mm-hmm. so excited, you know. Yeah, I know for like a lot of like music nerds um that tend to reject mainstream bands and whatever that they always that 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 debut album from them is always seen as like the exception um that like you're like allowed you're like allowed to enjoy <laughs> um, as like a pretentious music now <laughs> I, um, I, I like to consider myself not a pretentious music nerd but i don't know i don't know maybe yeah. i am no as, as um yeah no it's just funny yeah as someone who um yeah has been in those sorts of like online groups since um i was about 15 um yeah i just thought it was always interesting to me that like that album was something yeah like everyone was like yeah like monkey's debut is so good but then if you liked any of their other albums you'd get shit on <laughs> uh, yeah i i was just listening to two weird of mute like they, that's a band that I, maybe this doesn't happen anymore because uh this was pre-spotify so like it, it's a little different now everyone knows when a record comes out but um, there's a slew of Arctic Monkeys records that I just didn't know came out. Like mm. when I look at their discography now and I see like a year next to one of them, I'm like, <laughs> like I, I'm like, oh, I have no recollection of that happening in yeah. 2014. You know, like, yeah. But yeah. I got to go back. I got to. I'll have to go back. You know. No, I was kind of the same with um, Arctic Monkeys. So there's a server member who's in chat at the moment um, called Maddie. Um, who is a massive Arctic Monkeys fan. Um, and she got me to listen to one of their albums and I just looked at it and I had no idea that album even ever came out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, I definitely, definitely feel you on that. Favorite Worst Nightmare. That's the other one I was... I liked that one the first time yeah. I heard it. That, uh, that album yeah. was pretty pretty good. It was a lot sort of rockier and more... Um, like, what's the word? Like, it just had more oomph to it than I was sort of expecting um, when yeah. I've always known, known them as this, like, sort of indie rock, like, kind of a, like, poppy um, <laughs> group, so. Yeah. Speaking of uh, guilty pleasure music that'll get you shot, what's 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 some other so what's some other artist picks that you listen to that you would consider a guilty pleasure at the very least in a pretentious sphere? Oh, um, I... Uh, probably a lot of things because I, I don't, uh, how do I, how do I say, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I just listen to music, like a lot of music. Uh, so it's, um, like, I, I like, like, I like a lot of old music. I like, like, I, I love the Rolling Stones. Like I listen mm, to that, like, yeah, that, that's you know, like, like, like one of my all time favorite records. Uh, is Exile on Main Street by Rolling Stones, and I don't, I, I meet a lot of people that wouldn't even give that record like the time of day. Um, mm. I don't know. I, I don't believe in guilty pleasures though. I, yeah, that concept, I, I agree. I, yeah, yeah, I know. I, 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 like, I, I fully like, agree though. too. Yeah, it's like music. Yeah. I, 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 my taste is the best taste. I don't, I don't care what anyone <laughs> else has to say. Um, uh, w- one of our audience members, Wes, uh, wants to ask, where does Adam's love for Saint Anger by Metallica come from? Oh, okay. That, that's a great question. Um, all right. So I'll, I'll try to answer this real fast. So uh, number one, um, everyone has an opinion on that record. And even, yeah. even, if it's as, even if it's as whatever of an opinion as they think the snare tone is bad, 
you've at least thought about it. <laughs> and that makes it an incredible piece of art just then and there. Number two, um, that record has a whole movie made about the making of it and the virtually the demise of that band, Some Kind of Monster, <laughs> ha- happens to be one of the greatest music documentaries ever. So that makes that record even better. <laughs> and then third, I just like that record. Mm. Yeah. I like the I like the production. I I like how intense and brash it was. And the thing is, is that that came out. I was like 11 years old. And I was hearing Frantic as a lead single on rock radio, like on a boombox in my room. Totally mm. different experience than listening to it on YouTube and reading a bunch of comments about how bad the snare drum sounds. For me, it was just a new Metallica album. And I was yeah. a kid. And no one yeah. can ever take that away from me. It was so fucking Ignite. exciting. That's it. Like, that, that's it. Yeah. It's nothing worse than like growing up and... Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say there's nothing worse, but like, like growing up and ga- gaining internet access and Googling something you love and finding out that everyone hates it. <laughs> yeah. And, and also like, I, you know, I won't rant about, you know, Metallica forever, but see, Metallica <laughs> is a great example, a great example for me of like, that band's really important to me and their music, mm-hmm. even when it's not what I want it to be, I love mm-hmm. them as individuals and I love yeah. what they've accomplished as musicians. So I don't really look at records that way. Like my favorite band of all time is The Replacements. And a lot of people think that they've written some of the worst songs of all time. (laughs) Mm. I'll be the first to admit that, but I like it about them. Mm -hmm. There's not so great. There's everything in between. So yeah, like with Metallica, it's like, yeah, have they put out stuff I don't like as much as Master of Puppets? Obviously. They have like, 15 records you know like yeah. I, dude, I i feel that to the bone i i, I there, there's this there's a weird thing where people like act like having such a big discography like it's just natural that you're gonna find something you don't like like especially over yeah. that lawn of a of an activity like since the 80s like that's that's not that's not small that's that's, that's um, a, no. it's a really uh, big feat. That, was, that was one thing i wanted to um say just while the replacements were brought up um yeah the 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 text like the way that the text is done on um for those who think you um from me and capris reminds me of um pleased to meet me from um the replacements oh definitely yeah i think it's a very similar typeface for sure yeah 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 like the the like sort of jiggly way that the letters are placed and um whatever like i'm like yeah so i'll just i guess i want to ask now that i know that that's your favorite band of all time was that like uh uh intentional thing or just something that's absolutely absolutely yeah yeah absolutely yeah 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 cool well speaking of like older music and you know you saying you're really into that what i think that's a good question for you what's a song that no one has you think no not many people have heard or just no one it seems to be forgotten by the general culture of things that that you that you really do like oh that's tough um that's really tough. Uh, I'm trying to think. Oh, you know, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll. Uh, I got one. The uh, the record surfacing by Sarah McLaughlin. That is Sarah like, McLaughlin, that, the goat. That was, that was like the biggest pop record of 1997, and. The record sold so many copies, so many singles, 
And now I feel like there's an entire generation of people that only talk about her because the song Angel is in like yeah. the yeah. like save the animals like commercials. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it gets it gets totally like that totally steamrolls the fact that that record is perfect start to finish. Mm. So, I don't know, that that's my little uh I think PSA, I uh, think that's a really important yeah. uh like like comments on like pop music and and how it's like looked at over over the years like the fact that it can change over one thing just because just the one like 10 second clip and the entire yeah. like legend and history of them is is misremembered or just forgotten yeah and she's like a wild example too because she she put out great records she started lilith fair which was a world tour of all non uh non-male artists um, who were completely like fed up with their place in the industry. Um, you know, she was such an important figure of her time, and I feel like it's just gotten a little bit muddied over the years. So that would be my my weird answer to that one. Yeah, okay. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I, I love Sarah McLaughlin. No, that, hey, that, was, that was a good answer. Her song, um, Silence with Delirium, um, there's a remix. Oh, the... A- the remix, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the Tiesto in Search of Sunrise remix of that is like one of my favorite dance songs, like of all time. If I ever, if I ever, like in my uh, some, uh, something I've kept a list of since I was about 12 is like if I ever got the opportunity to DJ, like I have a list of songs that I would put in my mix. Uh, nice. And that song is definitely in there. Yeah. Um, Very cool. So, following up from that, I guess um, Maddie wants to know. Um, if you were to recommend any album for someone to listen to in its entirety, what would it be? Mm. Scrambles by Bomb the Music Industry. Bet. Scrambles. Yeah. What 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 kind of genre? What, what kind of music is it? Um. Do Do you know Jeff Rosenstock? Yeah. Yeah. So it's his old band. Okay. Um, yeah, they were. Some people would call them a ska band. They were like yeah, a, I was a, about to say, is it like a ska like type? Um, there's ska elements. They were just like really experimental punk rock. Um, yeah. but yeah, scrambles. I mean, I would. There'd be others too, but that that one, that one really comes to mind. Um, just as a totality, like taking an hour out of your day mm. to experience that, especially if it's the first time. That's like yeah, that's gonna be a pretty moving experience, I'd say. All right, everybody at home, listen to Scrambles by Bomb the Music Industry. All righty. Um, so the next question from Wes is, who thought of putting the sonic jumps in the blah, blah, blahs? <laughs> uh, it would probably be me. I was, <laughs> big into, I was big into getting video game samples in the songs. Mm-hmm. Very much mm-hmm. so. I yeah. am exa- I'm exactly the same. <laughs> yeah. I, um, uh, yeah i feel like on that yeah it was a little bit of like a pandora's box when we were young like we did it you know once and then all of a sudden it was like we could probably do this all the time like as often as possible so, i, I think yeah. it's it's so interesting because you don't even like it's not even just like a soundtrack pick it's a sound effect and how it's how it's incorporated into that i mm-hmm. I, I really like that yeah, yeah. Yeah, I um have been playing Resident Evil lately, and um I don't know if you've ever played Resident Evil, but there's a character called Albert Wesker, 
Um, and he yeah. has, yeah, he has a few quotes that I've been incorporating into um, some of my songs lately. Oh, awesome. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I totally feel you on that. Um, now, my next question was, um, um, so I'm personally like, yeah, like a big emo music fan, particularly like I love a lot of newer um, artists and a lot of these newer artists um, from what we call the fifth wave of emo list Brave Little Abacus as some of their biggest influences. Um, so I was wondering um, whether you were into any newer uh, artists from the newer like emo scene. Yeah, um, there's there's so many like great there's so many great acts that uh, have been um, have se- seemingly are a part of that community. You know, I think of like oh Paranual, um, Asian yes. Glow, yes. Home Is Where, um, Your Arms Are My Cocoon, like the uh, Hey I Love yes. You, like these are. These are really, really great bands. Um, yeah, I feel so. I feel so fortunate to like. Whenever I hear our name up anywhere near any of these other bands, mm. it really is like it's it's quite humbling. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's actually really wild. It's um, um it's quite funny um that you mentioned that because um like I'm I I think it's awesome that you are aware of all of those bands because I um we interviewed Newfound Interest in Connecticut um a while back and they did not know any of those artists and had no idea that they had had um, any impact um, on any new emo bands. Um, so it's sort of really interesting to see like that you're obviously very tapped into um, that. And yeah, it's like, like an interesting contrast. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, I don't know. I mean, I think it's a, I'm very fortunate people show me stuff um like like i feel like the first way i ever heard like to see the next part of the dream was someone sending it to me and being like have you heard this so that was like very very kind but i mean oh sorry you oh no i was just gonna say like to see the next part of the dream is my favorite album of all time (laughs) oh it's perfect it's a perfect record i love the new one too i just haven't spent as much time with it um Mm. But no, I was just going to say, I mean, like, you know, I don't want to sell myself short. I, I listen to a lot of music. I spend a lot mm. of time um, looking for music. Uh, mm. So for me, you know, whether it's fifth wave, whether it's whether it's emo, whether you know, whatever you want to call it, I would hope that I'd come across things that I liked because I'm, I'm mm. always just looking for more things that are going to mm. move me, you know, and yeah. all the bands that I mentioned, um, I would like without uh whether or not real abacus was mentioned anywhere near them mm. they're all just incredible mm. musical projects mm-hmm. like the first yeah. time i heard glass beach i was mm. like there's no way that uh you know my old band inspired this because this is so so good and mm. ahead of where we were mm. so um but yeah i mean i just i always want to hear the next thing and mm. The internet makes that very easy, so I, I would hope that everyone yeah. takes advantage of that. What's your uh, What's your favorite Paranormal song? Mm. Sorry, That's Rick. Tough. You probably yeah. don't know Paranormal. <laughs> it's probably the last track on "To See the Next Part of the Dream." Oh, uh, I mean, um, and, I can feel my heart touching you. I can, yeah, I can feel my heart yeah. touching you. Yeah, the um for a long time it was analog sentimentalism and i and i still feel that way but the closer 
is what I've, when I think about that record, mm. that's what plays in my head. Yeah, no, I, that, I mean, every I track can, on that album it. is a banger, but oh, that, absolutely. That, that, that track, that closing track, like definitely, I think that record, like, I feel like the closing track is such an important part of a re- record because it's your last impression. Um, yeah. And it colors in how you feel about the whole thing. Um, yeah. yeah. Like it could be nine perfect songs, but if the 10th final song is garbage, um, then people still leave the record with a sour taste in their mouth. Um, 100%. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's what I love about that song is it really just like ends the record in that like emotional, like, like high. Um, yeah. But yeah, my personal favorite has got to be White Ceiling. Um, I love that song. I love... That sounds awesome. Yeah. I love like the, the way the song basically completely falls apart in the last few minutes. Uh, and there's just all that screaming and uh, all the clips from like the movies and TV shows and stuff that he puts in there. And yeah, yeah. That wall, that wall of noise is just awesome. Anyway, I'm going to stop because I could talk for six hours about that album. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I did notice that you followed him um, on Instagram. So that was... Uh, I, I thought that was pretty cool. So oh yeah yeah big fan yeah uh, one thing i wanted to comment on when you said like oh, the music makes that so easy whenever someone says like oh i miss music in the bat in the old days or whatever i always hate hearing that because i think music is in its peak every day mm-hmm. that moves forward just the fact like again like just the fact that we have the internet you can find you know for the longest it's always been a case of you know the most innovative people are probably a band of four people with like 12 people who know about them and they're doing something crazy that you don't know about and back before it was super common to have so much culture on the internet and being shared through that you know it was a lot of you know whatever's local or whatever's getting on the radio and stuff and i think you know nowadays it's 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 a million times easier to find those really specifically really unique new sounds and and i think that's that's like you know like talking about like the internet and technology making music easier and whatever. Sorry, just to go back to Paranormal. But something that blew my mind with his music was the way that it's it's all MIDI. Like that whole album is MIDI and it yeah. like blew my mind. And, you know, there'll be purists that would be like, oh, like that album's shit. Like he didn't like play a guitar or touch a drum kit. Um, but like I personally think it's like crazy as hell and shows the awesome spot that we're in with how accessible and easy music is in 2023 um yeah that someone can sit in their bedroom and make an album like that without the ability to go to a studio or record like a hundred different instruments and totally um, yeah and even the way it was distributed too i mean it was it wasn't mm. marketed it just organically mm. reached a lot of people that were moved by it and then yeah. by word of mouth got to where it was which i love because you know yeah I'm not I'm not a huge fan of the way a lot of music is marketed nowadays. Mm. Sometimes it it gets a little bit tedious. But um yeah. but no, I I agree. I mean I, I think it's all a balance. Like for me, I think it's probably the best time in the history of the world to be a music listener. Mm-hmm. I think it's not necessarily the best time to be a musician. That's I think it's not really for difficult. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really difficult to be be a musician in the current zeitgeist um Mm. but every it's all it's all in balance you know so but yeah in in terms of accessibility uh like rick what you're saying like you know getting the um 
access to artists that you would never before. Mm. I mean, think about the list that we were just saying of artists that identify as like fifth wave. They're all from like different countries. Mm. Like I can, you know, simultaneously in the same span of a week, I probably discovered Weather Day, Asian Glow, Paranual, um, you know, and then a band, I, you know, probably from a million places in the U S that's a really unique position to be in. You know, yeah. it's, it's, and it's very cool. No, I think, I think that's like, yeah, something people don't talk about enough is if you go back to like, you know, just uh, using emo as a reference point, like if you go back to first or second wave emo, it's probably like all the prominent bands from those scenes were probably from the same three towns in, a, in the US. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But, but then you get all the way to the fifth wave and weather days from Sweden, Asian glow and paranormal from Korea, like home is where is from the US um like it's just awesome to yeah like have that network of artists who are all working together like yeah every single one of those artists has collaborated with each other and released music together um that's really awesome and none of of them it's crazy yeah it's crazy the same place um yeah and again compared to like early emo when all the prominent bands were probably all friends with each other and playing each other's gigs and um yeah so yeah. Yeah, I mean really... it's funny too because the you know the band of mine that we're like talking about that was mm. where that's the world that we were in. Mm. You know, we were just like closed off like we only existed where we lived. And yeah, I don't well, I don't know what it we existed now. I don't even know what would happen. Like I don't you know. Yeah, that's some um, something I've sort of noticed when I died, when I first sort of got into you guys and I dove a little bit into the internet um, was the majority of the stuff that existed online was courtesy of your personal friends um that were uh, posting yeah. on on reddit um there wasn't really anyone outside of your circle that was sharing um stuff to do with uh the bands so oh yeah it was definitely just people we pe- people we knew yeah I, mm. it was shocking it was shocking as it started to switch where it was like oh people mm. are talking about it online that we don't know you know what i mean mm. like that mm. that was wild but yeah yeah, no, it's it's like, and uh, again, like you know, uh, when because we like spoke um, to a newfound interest in Connecticut a few weeks ago, and they sort of went through the same thing, uh, and it's just really cool to see how many acts that didn't necessarily get their flowers at the time um, have just blown up into sort of cult um, cult status, and I think that's what I love the most about the internet um, is it's penchant for rediscovering um, things. And um, even though, you know, obviously there's like a million artists out there that'll that'll never get looked at, but I just love the fact that it has given a platform for if someone did make an album in 2002 that reached five people and somehow someone gets lucky enough to find an old CD and they upload it, there is like a very real chance that that album could actually like go somewhere 20 years later. Um, if it was good enough at the time, you know. Um, yeah. What was that like the uh, the Panchico record? Yeah. 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 Like that. Like that. That is such a wild turn of events. Like mm-hmm. absolutely wild. Yeah. Enlighten me on this Panchico CD or. Oh, it's a uh, you know a, a band. Su- supposedly, supposedly, what happened was. This band from the early 2000s, they had an album called Death Metal, and it was 
purchased by someone in a thrift store and they uploaded it to YouTube and it had, you know, it had these great songs on it, but it was plagued with some disc rot. So it was kind of distorted. Um, and then it just started to circulate more and more and more. And then they finally came forward and a cleaner version got released. That's a real condensed version of it, but it virtually is just a band that no one would have ever have heard in a million mm. years somehow was discovered by a lot of people on the internet and now they're back and they're like a full-time project See, like it totally yeah. the internet totally Hell changed yeah. the trajectory of their lives mm. like it's wild yeah i know that's um that's how newfound interest in connecticut got back up um again as well as their music sort of languished in obscurity for like years until someone messaged mm. the um lead singer i think and was like hey man like i just found this old cd do you mind if i upload it onto youtube um and the guy was like, "Yeah, like sure, like I don't care." <laughs> uh, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't know them. What, what is that band again? Um, so then you found interest in Connecticut. Um, so we interviewed their lead singer Matt, um, and their bass nice. player Mark in here a few weeks ago. Um, but they're like a, they're a crossover third wave, second wave emo band, I guess. Like they, they, they released an album in two thousand and five, um, and it very much exists in the same space as I just got back from the discomfort in terms of being an emo album from it's almost 20 years old but it's randomly got picked up sort of in the pandemic era um oh, okay. and has and has become a big influence like i know asian glow has listed that album um as one of his main influences um and yeah a lot of sort of fifth wave bands um yeah like have be become very influenced by that record since it got picked back up um, and they're a Canadian yeah, band, I'll right? This. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, and they also have like a bit of a post-rock slant um, to their music as well. So they're Neat. pretty pretty cool. If you're not aware of them, I'd 100% recommend them. Um, I can picture... Checking them out. I think but, I can picture like an album cover just from like seeing oh, it. Like, on I, I, this is a good guess. I feel like... What, what, do you, what do you imagine the, the cover would be? Are there, are there trees on it? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 I can picture the cover. I just haven't listened that's, to that's it. Awesome. I, I, I gotta yeah. check that out. Yeah. yeah. No. It's it definitely one hundred percent. Like I I think of it. I, I I think of it in the same sentence as just got back from the discomfort in terms of being one of the seminal like lost lost media emo albums that have inexplicably like become cult classics like ten years after 10, 15 years after um. Interesting. After and you said they're, they're back. Yeah. They they reformed. Uh, no, no. They oh. they they're back in terms of um, they they've started an Instagram account um and have been sharing a lot of archival like footage and stuff like oh, that. Cool. And like they're very active on social media, um now, um and have they have a they have their own Discord server for their fans to um chat in and everything. But the actual band um yeah they've all gone into their own things. Yeah yeah got it but yeah nice no they're they're pretty cool but yeah anyway um so out of your sort of post um brave little abacus projects um do you have like a one that is your like your favorite um i mean it would it would be me and caprice we um i mean we've we've been a band for quite a while now um and uh especially from a from a live perspective um yeah. especially before covid we we played 
we were such a live band. We played out so often. Um, and I just, I find a lot of joy in that. I, it's, it's mm. just a, a real important part of my life. Um, so I'd say it would be that for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Just continuing to be a songwriter and getting yeah. a lot more into production over the years yeah. for sure. Oh How yeah. One, get... Oh, go on. Oh yeah. Sorry. I was just going to say, I wanted to, I want, that reminded me of a question I wanted to ask you, like from something, uh, co- part of the conversation earlier. Uh, you said like how like you know a lot of that album and a lot of that project was from a com- like a very different time emotionally, and uh, for you, you know, do you do you like that? I imagine like that'd be something like let's say if you wanted to like you end up like performing that again. I'm assuming like that that'd probably be pretty difficult to get out of you. I think it would be really difficult. Um, it's something that certainly has been discussed and has been uh, considered whenever conversations have been had about that. I don't know what it would look like. Mm-hmm. Um, I genuinely don't know. Um, you know, your, your, your voice, like my voice has changed a lot over the years. The way that I play has changed the way I perform. Um, I don't know I, if Brave Little Abacus was to reunite and, play some of that material i think it would be really really different i don't know what people mm. would would think um and some of that would just be out of our control you know it's like mm. it's 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 um but yeah it's a good question because it it's certainly it, it's very particularly performed <laughs> so <laughs> yeah it'd be tough yeah do you like playing live more now than when you than back then I do because I think I'm a lot better at it now. Mm-hmm. Um, makes, makes Brable, sense. Brable Abacus Live was very like. Sometimes it was really ramshackled, just kind of like let's see if we can get through this show. And mm-hmm. um, me and Capri's live is a lot more in the moment, mm-hmm. and um, we really kind of take our times with things. And mm-hmm. I, and I just I'm a lot more knowledgeable now about how to make the show even sound like how to mm-hmm. you know just how to and how to present yourself so i don't know yeah i definitely enjoy it more now than i did when i was young yeah um one question i had was um so whenever i play brave little abacus for my friends um one of the comments that i i always get is oh this sounds like uh it could be from a musical um so are you into musical theater is that something that was intentional or is that just sort of like an accident um, I like musical theater. I grew up watching a lot of musicals. I was in some musical theater, but yeah, I, I definitely think I I can see that. I, I can see that. It's very, um, there's a I lot of a, sort of, I think it's the really jingly oh, like instrumentation in a lot of the tracks that. Oh, wow. Give, okay. Yeah. I thought feel. maybe it was the over the top, like vocals <laughs> i mean but... may, may, maybe it could, probably could be a mix but for me personally like since people have started making that comment and i listen to it with that in mind sort of what yeah. stands out to me is the 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 feel of like a lot of the instrumentation with the piano and, um, oh that stuff. i mean that it, that could be it yeah. yeah and uh zach our keyboardist he did a lot of musical theater he was like mm. a musical mm. theater star when we were in high school so there's a connection for sure. <laughs> yeah. no i i literally remember so because like i think as i mentioned earlier like my whole circle of friends are all musical theater kids and are always doing musicals yeah. and i remember i picked them up once and i was listening to 
Um, let me see if I can remember specifically which track. Um, uh, I can't even remember. Maybe Can't Run Away. Um, anyway, and they hopped in the car and they're like, oh, what musical are we listening to? Like, <laughs> just straight away, what musical are we listening to? Uh, and I'm like, like oh, this, pretty isn't, good. Like, this isn't a musical. <laughs> this is actually like an emo band. Well, maybe no, it, 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 Yeah, it wasn't Can't Run Away. I can't remember what it was, but it was around the, that midpoint of the album. Um, yeah. That I was up to. But, um, yeah, anyway, so. Um, do you, so, do you have, like, a favorite thing at all? Hmm. It would probably be Sound of Music, I would think. Mm-hmm. Um, Classic. Yeah, that would. That would probably be my favorite, especially just from like a nostalgic mm. point of view. Uh, yep. I was in a production of Pippin when I was really young. Yo, I've seen that. I've seen Pippin live. Yeah, that was a good. That's a good show. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'd have to think about it a little more. But Sound of Music is the first one that comes to mind. Um, but yeah, musicals are crazy. <laughs> there's something. That, that, there's something to them. Oh yeah, for sure. I think that's a funny genre though, going back to talking about like saying you like something and a bunch of like uh, <laughs> music people being like, no, you can't like that. I feel like musicals get a bad rap. Oh yeah, I think there's a certain, this. it's just how it's... <sighs> yeah, I mean like Hamilton. How it's written like... is just, yeah, it, it's so flamboyant in how it's, how it's played and how it's and how it's like, like that structured yeah. with ha- like the lines being part of the play and everything. I know a lot of people call Hamilton rap music for people who hate rap music. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Hamilton. I don't, I don't know Hamilton very well. I under, I know what it is conceptually, but I haven't mm-hmm. seen it. I haven't listened to it. I can you know, imagine what you're saying though. The thing that cracks me up about Hamilton though, um, is so, uh, one of the roles, um, as uh, Thomas Jefferson, um, and the actor of Thomas Jefferson is a guy um called David Diggs, um, okay, and he outside of like, and he is like now like a pretty mainstream celebrity, but his only real thing that he had done before being in Hamilton, and he still does it, is um he's in like one of the most experimental harsh noise hip hop groups you will ever hear in your whole life, uh, like some of their songs, he's literally like rapping over like a Mersbo like esque. Um, be and it's always hilarious whenever because again being in a music, musical theater circles and all my friends are like oh my god like David Diggs is like awesome and I'm like oh haha like you should go check out his <laughs> his music that he does outside of Hamilton um, and it's always like That's yeah funny. and it's the most experimental um like hip hop you'll ever hear in like your whole life. Um, That's we- That's wild. What's yeah. the group's and name? Clipping. Oh, uh, clipping. Oh. I've seen those records. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, their their wow. their their covers are very iconic. Yeah, but um, yeah. So it just always cracks me up. Like I almost feel like I'm pranking my friends whenever they say they love David Diggs, and I tell them to go listen to his music outside of Hamilton. <laughs> that's too funny. Yeah, I never I never would have known that that connection. That's that's wild. Um, but yeah, but yeah, and like um, that's uh like. Yeah, definitely. I feel like in a lot of ways, people don't view musical theater as like real music. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's hard to 
And I, and again, I think that's part of what I like about Brave Little Abacus, even though it's not, again, probably it doesn't sound like it was intentional, but I think it bridges a lot of thing, a lot of musical theatre tropes um, with the way that this music is written. And I think bridges it into a much more like artistic um, environment. Uh, like it does not surprise me at all that your pianist had done a lot of musical theatre because a lot of his playing is like so similar. Yeah, I mean, um, he was coming from a lot, like a very different background mm. than most people in bands. He was playing yeah. contemporary classical music, and mm. you know, and, um, and so I, I think it's sort of really cool that, um, yeah, like Brave Little Abacus. A lot of the piano on that track on that album to me feels like it's taking something that, if it was in a musical theater context, people would think of it as like very silly and lighthearted, um, <laughs> and then. <laughs> And then, and like, I don't mean that in like, like a ba- as a bad thing, but it just takes yeah, it and yeah. transplants it like into this new context. Um, and I just think it's like really cool. Um, yeah. To hear that style of playing like on a much more, yeah, like serious, like artistic um, sort of record. So. Yeah, I can see it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. There are certain moments so, like throughout the, the, the record that like, I feel like, just kind of, you know, like you said, like those, the kind of brighter moments among it, like that's what reminds it or kind of gives that like musical like mm. thought. One thing is, uh, again, in the blah, blah, blahs is there's, there's horns in it, but for so, like, you know, it sounds like, oh yeah, I got this really weird video game sample. And then it's kind of sounds kind of familiar, like emo music. And then it get those horns before the climax with those horns. I'm pretty sure they're in the last track and, uh, what what was the orange orange slides? Which one is that one called? I can't. Uh, or, or, orange blue stripes. Yeah. Uh, last uh, one. Yeah. It, it, so like, how, how often do you really find yourself playing with like motifs? Because I feel like that's something in in modern music a lot of people don't really use that much. On that record, it was a lot. There's a lot of repetition on that mm-hmm. record. Um, yeah, that was like a conscious thing we we really liked doing that do you st- do you still find yourself like playing with that or is that kind of like a that kind of group you just that creative force around there yeah i haven't found myself inspired to do that as much as i've gotten older um if i ever have i think it's been a little bit more subtle um but yeah i mean i i think it's one of those things i it's i feel like sometimes people don't believe me but it just very organically happened when we were making um that record um it wasn't forced at all it was it would almost be like magic where working on one song it'd be like i would almost accidentally play Mm, a melody mm -hmm. from another song and then i'd be like wow that really works and then it also means that this lyrical idea can come into this this context and then i'd be kind of moved by that and just go for it so um, I think it, had it been planned out, it probably would be a lot more clunky. Um, but because it happened pretty naturally, cool. I think it mm. it worked out. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Um, also, sorry, I just went back through and I found the exact part of um, the album where my friend was like, "What musical are we listening to?" Oh, nice. Um, it was one. <laughs> it was around one forty on "Can't Run Away" when you're like a jumper with oh, a brace. Let me. I, I, I can. Oh, I yeah. can bring this and, up. And, and there's this like jingly like like bell and. Which, and which sounds, song is it, sir? 
Uh, it's around 140 on Can't Run Away. You're going to make me listen to it? <laughs> <laughs> like, this part, this is the exact part, yeah, where my friend was like, hey, what, 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 Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I can hear it. This would be a really sad musical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just that like really bouncy. Um, I can see like, it like instrument. it's like right after a sad moment happens in between a song, and now the everybody leaves and it's the main character. It's just this light like shining on them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I can see it. Well, yeah. I mean, maybe you know, fuck a Brave Lapkus reunion. I'll just write. I'll just write a music. I'll just write a Brave Lapkus. Okay. What? Speaking so of musicals. Fun. Go oh, on. Hang on, sorry, sorry, Rick. The first thing I, I just wanted to say, you should do a Mamma Mia type film, but instead of <laughs> instead of ABBA, instead of ABBA, it's Brave Little. <laughs> nah. Uh, anyway, that would be crazy. Freaking Kendrick Lamar, his last album, Mr. Morale. A lot of it really plays out as a musical, just structurally how how, how it oh, is, big and time. and I yeah, yeah. I I want like all I want is for him to put a full-on production like on broadway or something because i can 100 percent see every scene that goes throughout well, it that, that record sounds... could be a movie that, yeah. yeah when i first heard that record i was like yeah. this could be a film like so sufjan stevens is literally doing that right now um he got um justin peck who's a ballet choreographer um i think mm. he's done maybe done a few broadway shows i'm not sure but um he's they're literally putting on a, a production of Illinois, um, like right now. Oh, that's wild! Um, and yeah, it'd be really cool to see more albums get that kind of treatment. Hey, I, I'd, I'd very much look forward to see that happen. Maybe, maybe, maybe hope, hope, this, hope this is a nugget planted in. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's the next big thing. You know, who knows? Yeah. I mean, as oh, people, you know, as you know, you're still recovering from, you know, COVID's impact on the arts and going out. Maybe as people f feel that need to go out more. Hey, I want to go out and see a music, but I concerts, one thing. I, let's let's try a, a musical. Yeah, exactly. Um, really one thing cool. I wanted to ask is like, I mean, so obviously, whenever people reach out to you with these kinds of like interviews, whatever, it's probably mostly influenced by Brave Little Abacus because that's like the the band that really like became that cult classic but mm -hmm. like what like your your other projects I guess I wanted to ask like do you have anything like coming up with me and Capri's that like you wanted to talk about or discuss or yeah I mean we've been working on a record for a long time um we yeah had, I noticed we you had, guys had, had a new single Yep. Yeah, we put out a, a, a single in the spring and we had a little bit of a lineup change. We Our longtime bass player uh, left the band. We have a new bass player. Um, yeah. So we, yeah, the we're, we're wrapping up um, recording this LP that it's kind of like, it's interesting. We've um, been building out this studio for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. um, so we were like, as the record has progressed so has the space itself so yeah. there's a lot a lot happening um but it just doesn't it's not one of those things that's super like public you know what i mean it's more like yeah. personal development 
Um, yeah, it's super, it's super exciting. I'm, I'm in love with the material and, uh, yeah, the, you know, the band's going strong mm. and, uh, and I'm hoping for a, a lot more projects to get completed out of this studio space yeah. totally. and hopefully getting some other folks to track in there too, as yeah. it gets finished, which is nice. So. How would, um, how would you describe the record that you're working on at the moment? Um, it's, uh, interesting it, it, it kind of i think it's going to really surprise people because i think there's this this notion about me and caprice that we're sort of this like poppy you know rock band mm. which yeah. which we are um but because we've put so much time and effort into this record um it's it's a it's it's arranged a lot differently than the music we've put out so far it, the yeah. instrumentation's a lot a lot bigger um, it's a little bit more sophisticated, so I don't know. It's a it's a big pop record. I'll 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 say Ooh. that it's. Oh, okay, that sounds cool. So I'm interested in what people will think. But. I, yeah, I think pop as a as a quote unquote genre just gets a really bad rap. I think, uh, you know, you can do you can do a lot with you know trying to get into the catchy pockets because it's not you know it's not locked to a certain sound. So, I, I like the idea of yeah, big pop. Yeah, me too. And uh, I um, it's funny because, you know, I think the way that I use pop in music sometimes is a little bit different. Like, do you know the band XTC at all? XTC? No, I don't. Yeah. Only the Kanye West song. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, XTC was like a really pretty important, I guess, some people would say post-punk band from the UK, but they yeah. infamously have have a song from their first or second record, This Is Pop. And they were like a super angular, intense band. But the song This Is Pop was sort of like announcing mm. like, no, no matter how weird it is, this is pop. It's populist mm. art. And I believe in that. Like, I think I don't care how like weird Black Midi is. Like, they're a pop yeah. band. Mm. Well, like, yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's populist yeah. music. It's not... And it's not avant-garde like you know yeah like i think for me like kanye west is a great example um of that because um obviously you know one of the biggest rappers of all time um and you listen to his album yeezus and there's a few songs on there that you know are pretty are much closer to a band like death grips than to an artist like drake um yeah. but but i still argue it yeah that it is it's popular music like mm -hmm. like even though even though bound 2 is exper experimental as hell it still has 800 million plays on spotify <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and i don't you know. i don't think pop is a sound i think it's a function exactly. I, I genuinely yeah. believe what are the people I, talking believe, about yeah yeah and it's for me it's you know music is a form of communication and mm. like folk music before it and like classical before that which people didn't call classical. You know what I mean? That's like a new, mm. that's a young word. Mm. If, if music is made for a mass of people to communicate with, then it's populist at its center. Like it doesn't matter if it's Carly Rae Jepsen or Sonic Youth, it's popular music. Like it's, it's what it is. Yeah. So. Have you, um, have you listened to any of Carly Rae Jepsen's newer, newer albums? Uh, I heard. She's a, I, I I heard the newest one, I think. Yeah, she's um a pop artist that's undergone a massive critical sort of reappraisal. Um I know her twenty fifteen album Emotion um has been sort of held up as like an absolute like classic of like two thousand tens pop music. 
I love that record. Yeah, I I think that record is should be as heralded as like Teenage Dream by Katy Perry. Yeah. I don't. I, yeah. Yeah. No, nah, but yeah, yeah, I know like like in a lot of like yeah like pretentious music nerd circles, like it's like emotion is held up as an album that is yeah like a work of art beyond just being like by the call me maybe girl. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, I feel bad for her. I mean, I think she got kind of a raw deal with like that song got huge and then. Mm. you know she had a little bit tougher time but yeah i mean that record emotion's a great mm. record i like mm. the one after it. i can't remember its name right now but the one of the the i think it was the follow-up to that um is it called dedication mm, let me see if i can pull it up it was I don't. I haven't listened to it as much, but I remember. Well, there was emotion dedicated, dedicated side B, and then the loneliest time. I think I'm thinking of loneliest time. Yeah, that's which is interesting. But yeah, I mean, she's great. Like, I mean, yeah, it's it's such a tough, that's such a tough like micro industry. You know, mm. at the very tippity top there, like it's the like... competition is just just, so, just yeah. like um. Oh what? Oh, no, I was just gonna say, like, um, talking artists, I feel really bad for Godier, um, is right up there for me. Great example, yeah. Real, yeah, that's um, a great example of an artist that, like, who knows what else they would have done had they he, not been kind of swallowed up. Yeah, because so Godier, like, was, um, you know, he was popular in Australia, like, long before um somebody that I used to know. Um, came out and yeah. he had a song um, in 2005 called Hearts a Mess um, and mm. we have a we have a yearly vote in Australia um, called the Hottest 100 um, where we vote for the Hottest 100 best songs of the year um, on our most popular radio station um, and he had a song called Hearts a Mess that did quite well on that in 2005 and whatever and he you know was like pretty yeah like big in Australia and then that song came out and um, just blew the lid off of his popularity um, yeah. and then he pretty much just hasn't, I, I don't know whether it's from the pressure because he does still perform. Um, he's in a band called the basics, um, that, oh, are cool. still, that are still releasing music to this day. They're fine. I think he'd work <laughs> much better as a solo artist. Um, but I, I wonder for him if there's just so much pressure, you know, it's been 12 years since that song came out and it's yeah. like one of the most popular songs like ever written. Um, yeah. And I just wonder, like, particularly from an artist like him that comes from an indie background, that he wasn't a pop artist before um, that song came out. Whether, yeah, yeah, like, I wonder how it must feel for him to be like, do I release an album that will be commercially successful to follow up on that? Or do I stick to my, like, indie sort of underground roots and do something a bit more, um, uh, like, you know, alternative again? Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's tough. I mean, if who knows like especially if if he didn't hope for somebody i used to know to hmm. have that path it's like it's it's tough yeah and because that's the thing is like if you're like you know a miley cyrus or a katie perry and you have a smash hit that blows the lid off your career like it's it's not easy to follow that up but you know you can it makes sense up. it's a pipeline it, it, it like it makes yeah. sense for them to continue making more pop music like that because that's what they were going to do whether that song blew up or not Right. Yeah. Whereas for Godier, who was making quiet niche, not commercially viable music before that song blew up, I I feel like it would be such a 
conundrum do i keep making niche inaccessible music or do i try and soften my sounds now that i have this um fan base i guess that yeah are into pop music um yeah i mean at that point if you don't want to do it too i mean you would hope that he made enough of a living to just enjoy making music you know it's like which is that's okay too you know i don't know, like hearing hearing that he still performs like it's good that that didn't like scare him away from being like a figure in music yeah. Yeah, oh, for he sure. still performs. He actually performed as Godier, um in Tasmania, um, where I live, um, two or three years ago. Mm. Um, he double headlined a music festival with um, Black Godspeed You, Black Emperor. Oh, cool! Um, That's quite yeah. a pairing. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. Um, and I remember um, I was seventeen, and the concert was eighteen plus. Oh Damn. no! Because <laughs> um, I really wanted to see Godspeed You, and I really wanted to see Godie. Um, and it, yeah, it was just mad disappointing. I got my but, fingers crossed it'll happen again. I believe yeah. it's more a hey, yeah. If, if if it's realistic for anybody, you you're in Australia, so you got it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But um, I was quite bummed though because what Godie performed, he didn't perform his own music. He performed like a. Uh, a uh, tribute to like some French like electronic musician. It still um, must have been oh, dope. Dope, um, right? Oh, uh, I, I mean, I presume it was. I didn't obviously didn't go, um, but yeah. How'd you how'd you hear that about was... that then? Did you just see it online? Uh yeah. So we have this. Fe- we pretty much only have one festival every. Well, we have two festivals every year. They're run by the same um, museum, um, and they're. Uh, they do a winter festival and a summer festival. He played at the summer festival, but they've had like swans, death grips, um, flying lotus, um, wow. injury, res- injury reserve, lingua ignota, Moses Sumney, um, Shushu, Boris, just shit tons of like really cool, like, again, like, like where I live is like very out of the way, like regional. Um, like most people who live here would probably be farmers um, type place. Um, so it's insane that we have a festival that gets those kinds of, um, yeah, that's a lot of cool acts. Yeah. Like, and when they got with death grips as well, it was 2012. Um, so they weren't even like that, um, like up, up there. Um, yeah. Which that was, is, yeah, that was the beginning. Yeah. Like insane. Um, but yeah, anyway, <sighs> um, What's the time? Twelve thirty. Well, I think unfortunately, um, I just had a look at the time. Um, unfortunately, Rick and I, we do have another um segment of our show that we do, um, oh, have to good. get to. Yeah. Thank you so much for yeah doing this and really really appreciate it. Appreciate you oh, taking your time. So yeah. we're gonna upload this on um Spotify um on the cool. weekend as well. So you know, thank you if you're listening to this after the fact. Thank you for listening to the Neighborhood Radio again with Adam Demersian. From Brave Little Abacus, me and Capri, keep your eyes on the lookout for what's coming up from them. Uh, Again, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Have a good night. No problem. Of course. Thank you. you. See ya. See ya.